Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test so today I want to talk about, or the title of today's sermon is, We Must Create the World We Want. We Must Create the World That We Want. I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. This is a continuation of our Socially Conscious Christianity series. This is actually the conclusion of that series. There have been three sermons so far. Today is the fourth, and we're going to close it out today. Um, really looking at Luke chapter 10 verses 30 through 37 and challenging ourselves to not give up hope, but to see the fact that we have a role to play uh, and a mandate in creating the world that we want to see. There is so much hopelessness. There's so much despair right now, rightfully so. I want to push us. I want to encourage us today. Um, that God has given us some tools, these tools of kindness, these ethics of generosity, these ethics of do unto others as you would have them do unto you that uh, are incumbent upon us to apply as Christians. We may not change the whole world, uh, certainly not in our lifetime, but what I believe we are able to do um, is change the world that we operate in, right? That, that closer in circle. And we can do that by beginning to engage in some particular things. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 10 um, to, um, to push us in this way. All right, let's pray and then we'll jump right into it. Lord, thank you so much for giving us a chance to jump into your word. I pray that you will speak through me to these, your people, in a way that is real and in a way that is relevant and palatable for them. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37, it says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, the priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Once again, I want to just talk about the fact that we must create the world we want. We must create the world we want. We have to create the world that we want to live in. What I mean by this is that we can no longer afford to take a passive approach to seeing goodness happen in the world. No, we got to participate in it. Uh, we do this by stepping up our sense of social responsibility, both for ourselves 
and for other people. Uh, The Bible refers to this as simply being a neighbor or simply as loving one's neighbor as we love ourselves. What that means is that we don't simply care about the things that impact us, but also we care about what impacts other people. By doing this, we begin to create a more harmonious, a more considerate society, a more humane society where individualism is exchanged for this thing I've been talking about called collectivism. Uh, This thing where parents raise their kids with values and morals because they care about everyone else's child who their kids will interact with. Uh, where we consider our constitutional rights to guns, but then we realize how a society awash with guns can make other people unsafe. So, So perhaps I might need to forfeit that right for the good of the whole. Uh, Jesus communicates this lesson profoundly in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus presses upon us what it means to be a neighbor. Uh, The way that the story goes is a teacher of the Jewish religious law uh, stood up one day to try to put Jesus to the test. Uh, That This person comes to Jesus and asks him, what must he do to inherit eternal life? Uh, Jesus answered him that he knows the law. What does the law say? Uh, The teacher of the law replied, you shall love the the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and, And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, just go on and do this and you will live. But but the Bible says, this is in Luke chapter 10, verse 29, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, well, who was my neighbor? Uh, Jesus, rather than answering his question directly, rather than squabbling over the nuance that this man was trying to draw, Jesus gets down to the heart of the matter by telling a story. You see, what the teacher of the law was trying to do was suggest that this command to love one's neighbor as oneself, that this uh, command was uh, really one that could be drawn toward or drawn based on ethnic boundaries. That perhaps my neighbor by technicality did not include those who did not look like me or who are not from the same section of the world as I'm from. But to see, Jesus dismisses that notion and Jesus intimates that everybody falls into the category of neighbor. Why? Because all people are members of God's creation. Uh, Jesus tells the story that a certain man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And while en route, he gets attacked by thieves. They rob him. They beat him. That They leave him left for dead on the side of the road. But while he was laying there, Thank God a priest happened to be going down that road. Surely the priest, uh, the, the one whose calling and work is for God, surely that person would stop to help him. But Jesus says in this story that he does not. Uh, Jesus says the priest passed by on the other side of the road. Uh, Jesus said that likewise, a Levite also happened to be passing by. Uh, Now, these Levites were members of the tribe whose work was the care of the temple and the worship. Uh, Essentially, their livelihoods were all tied up in religious work. 
But, but the Levite who happened to be going down that road, who sees the man robbed and beaten and left half dead, simply passes by on the other side of the road. Uh, Jesus does not say why the priest and the Levite did not stop. But, but we can use our imagination to try to surmise why perhaps in this story, Jesus has them not stopping. Perhaps they simply felt it was none of their business. But perhaps they were of the ilk that believed that the best thing that one can do is simply mind one's own business. Uh, perhaps they were concerned with their own safety. After all, the Jericho Road was known for this kind of violence. But perhaps they were concerned with how getting involved would cost them time, which perhaps they did not have as they made their way to something important down in Jericho. But let me just stop and say parenthetically that there is a group of us who are emerging to the fore of adult leadership in our society. Let, let me caution us that while we busy ourselves with our own social climb and our own schedules and our own professional pursuits and burying our faces in our phones, let us not be too busy to be the grown-ups in our society. You see, a part of being the grown-ups is saying something. Uh, we have to get back to that age of correcting children with love or at least talking to their parents when we see them doing something wrong because when I was growing up there was a watchful eye of all of the adults around and you could not just do and be any kind of way without somebody saying something. Not only must we say something but we have to not be too busy to do something. Uh, similar to this Levite who perhaps was too busy to do something, we as the ones that are, uh, our, our generation is moving to the fore of, of being the core adult, adult generation in our society, we have to not get caught up like this Levite and be too busy in all of our pursuits, in all of our social climb, in all of our come up to do something. Yes, if we are not careful, we can be too busy traveling the Jericho road of life to stop and help. There's a man named Mr. Washington who owned a funeral home and lived on my grandmother's block when I was a kid. I'll never forget this. When I was about seven years old, he got the teenager, teenagers, mainly the teenage boys from the neighborhood together, and he turned this vacant concrete lot on the corner of our block, he turned that with the help of these teenage boys into a basketball court. They uh, poured the concrete uh, to, to cement the, the, um, the base of the rim into the court. They erected the steel posts for the, the basketball rim. They uh, uh, put up the backboard and the rim and painted the lines of the court. In our neighborhood, our block had a basketball court because of him. It was at that court that I learned to love basketball as a seven-year-old boy. It was at that court where kids my age watched the bigger kids on the block play basketball in the summer from sunup to sundown. Uh, and the reason that we were able to do this is all because Mr. Washington was not too busy to do something. I need you to stop and ask yourself, am I too busy traveling the Jericho Road the Jericho Road to stop and help others who are on the Jericho Road. 
We're going to have to find time to be with our nieces and our nephews, time to connect with the elders in our families that need us, or time to engage in the PTA, whether we have children or not, or time to volunteer somewhere, time to mentor somewhere, time to stop and not just hustle on the Jericho Road. Jesus says that the Levite, just like the priest, did not stop but he just walked on by. Next, the Samaritan was walking down the road and when the Samaritan came to where he was, he saw him. Jesus says he had compassion on him. He gave him first aid care. He disinfected his wounds. He he put oil on his wounds. He bandaged him up. He put him on his horse and he took him to an end. Jesus says that he stayed the night with them and then the next day left the money with the innkeeper to take care of them and then said to the innkeeper, whatever this does not cover, I'll take care of when I pass back by this way. Dr. King, when retelling this story, says that the difference is that the priest and the Levite asked the question of themselves, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to my safety? What will happen to my time? But the Samaritan reversed the question and instead asked the question of himself, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That this is the kind of radical unselfishness that we must adopt. That this is the kind of unselfishness that we have to grab hold to if we are to create the kind of love or the kind of world that we want to live in, an unselfishness that loves one's neighbor as we love ourselves. Jesus asked the teacher of the law, which one of them was a neighbor to the man who was robbed? The teacher of the law answered, the one who showed compassion. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I I want to close this sermon by simply telling y'all, Just go and do likewise. But we're in a week where we are uh, reeling from the cumulative trauma as as a result of the mounting violence, gun violence, police violence, violence against women's bodies, violence against women's rights, violence against rights to vote. It, It seems insurmountable and some of us can feel hopeless in the midst of all of this. The problem seems too big, and and in the midst of even facing these problems, we can raise the question, perhaps, where is God? But I hear the words of the prophet Micah speaking to us today. He says, the Lord has told you, human, what is good. He has told you what he wants from you, to do what is right to other people, love being kind to others, and live humbly obeying your God. I sense the Lord saying that I have given you as a society the tools, the path, the ethics to follow, to create quality living amongst each other. I have given you the playbook, the instruction manual, but you have to use the tools. And so I say to you this morning, don't give up hope. I know that you feel in despair, but don't give up hope. I know that you are rightly pessimistic about the future, but don't give up hope. You see, you and I have the power to be participants in creating the world that we want to live in. 
as we may not change and adjust the entire world, but in our social circles, in our section, we can erect an ethic where we treat each other kindly, where we will teach our kids to respect other people, where we will love our neighbors just like we love ourselves, where we will put into society what we want to receive back and we will give of ourselves so that we can instill these values in other people too. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that effectively it starts out small, but it grows mighty. Let me say that we cannot be hopeless when we've got seeds to scatter. We cannot be hopeless when we are in the seed sowing business. Yes, we have the power. We have the responsibility to leverage all that we know from our faith to begin creating the kind of world, the kind of society that we want to live in. It is not hopeless. It, 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 is, it starts with us. It, it starts with us making decisions that I can't speak for everybody else, but, but as for me and my house, yeah, we're going to love people. We're going to love other people the way that we love ourselves. We're going to treat the, teach the next generation values. As for me in my house, I am not going to see something and say nothing. I, when, when I see something, when I see a kid who is troubled, I, I am going to say something. I, I am going to find ways that I can uh, partner perhaps with their families or partner with groups in my community to ensure that, that those that are within my sphere of concern and care have the tools and resources that they need to become high-quality, high-functioning human beings. I'm not going to let my family members just be out there and just wild because, you know, I, I know that they won't do violence to me, but, but I do know that if somebody out there says the wrong thing to them, that they'll do something to them. I, I am not going to live that way because of my ethics, because I love my neighbor as I love myself. Yes. It is by grabbing hold of these kinds of ethics. I'm not naive enough to believe that we change the world by doing it, but, but I am crazy enough to believe that we can change our sphere of influence, that we can do our part, build our piece of the wall. And if others can build their piece of the wall, then, then we have a better society to live in and a better one to leave for our children. I, I want to close simply praying for the people that are reeling from the world that we currently live in. This world that is filled with violence, filled with so much hatred, uh, filled with so much greed, filled with so much apathy. I want to pray for those of us that are reeling from this world that this week have simply been trying to figure out what do I do? How do I live in this? Let me pray for you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those 
who are experiencing hope deficit this morning. I pray for those of us who may rightly feel, justifiably so, that all hope is lost. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will remind us that we are a part of a resurrection religion, that we are a part of a movement that was birthed out of lost hope, that was birthed out of a tomb that seemed like it was the final word, a movement that was birthed out of the crucifixion and mutilation of a body. But yet on the third day, you got to working in a way that only you can. And that which looked like it was hopeless, all of a sudden turned into something else. Help us to be reminded that we are a part of a resurrection, a bounce back religion. A, a, a religion that was founded through you demonstrating that no matter how bad it looks, you yet reserve all power. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will allow revival to break out in our society. Not simply a revival of people speaking in tongues, a revival of people uh, moving ecstatically, but a revival of the heart. A, a revival where people not only speak in other tongues, but a revival where people are willing to speak to each other in their own languages. A, a revival not where folks are, are, are willing to express themselves in ecstatic religious expressions, but to be able to express themselves in deep religious generosity to each other, in deep religious love and care for each other, mirroring the words and work of Jesus Christ. Help that revival break out. And I pray God that you will give us an eternal hope to believe in that day. I pray God that you will heal us where we are broken. I pray for the families that are mourning today. I pray these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.